Hello and welcome to the Leadership and Insurance podcast. This is the podcast where we discuss what leadership looks like in the modern insurance business. We talk to insure tech leaders and founders, innovators and change agents from the insurance industry. We also talk to thought leaders from outside the industry, such as organizational psychologists, performance coaches and investment professionals. Anyone who can add value to the conversation on how to lead insurance businesses of the future. Sorry to interrupt the podcast. This is the host, Alex Bond. Um, We've got an exciting announcement to make. Um, Off the back of the podcast, we're exposed to many issues that are kind of topical or current, um, and some become really pervasive. And sometimes we are in the position to do something about it in our role as a recruitment business that specializes in insurtech. And one of those issues has been the lack of female leadership in insurance technology businesses. It's nothing new. It's nothing surprising. Um, We can see that the numbers are just simply not representative in the traditional insurance industry. But in a nascent industry, in in a burgeoning and growing industry, in an industry that's so exciting, it's a little bit disappointing to see that the numbers continue to not stack up. There are simply not enough female leaders in the insurance technology business. So what can we do about that? Well, look, there's no time for me to have a savior complex, but what I can do is build networks and what I can do is build platforms. And so one of those platforms we've decided to kind of launch is the flight series, the female leaders in insurance technology event series. This will be a series of events that will start in 2022. They will involve in-person events, they involve online events to encapsulate the global audience, and they are going to include some specific mentoring opportunities. So I'm excited to announce that the first of those is happening on 13th of January. That will be a London in-person event. It will be a ticketed event. um, And we get a fantastic panel of female speakers to talk about attracting talent to InsureTech. So if you're interested in InsureTech, if you're interested in discussing opportunities in InsureTech, we'd love to see you there. Please check out the FinPro website, www.wearefinpro.com for more information. Good morning and welcome to the Leadership and Insurance podcast. I'm your host, Alex Bond, and I'm very lucky to be joined today by Adrian from Zartec. Um, Adrian, how are you? I'm very good, Alex. Good morning to you. Yeah, good morning. Good morning. Um, it's not morning where you are. We're, we're, I, I, I meant, we were just talking and I suddenly realised um, I, I didn't check in about what time you're, you're calling me from and because you're in Singapore, is that right? Yeah, no, we're based in Hong Kong, oh, uh, and if you're right, it's actually 5 p.m., so maybe yeah. more tea time than, than coffee time for me. Yeah, no, good. I, uh, I, <laughs> I've got an embarrassing story to tell about the first time we spoke, but I think I covered that off, but that's, that's not one for the podcast, but that's probably why I can't remember where you're based, so I apologise. Um, but, um, but look, no, thanks for joining me. Um, Zartec's fascinating for me. Um, we were talking just before, so I, I think in some respects it's, 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 the, it's the biggest insure tech some people haven't heard of. Obviously, did, did, a, did a large raise quite recently. So uh, rather than me um, uh, stumble over you know, the Zartec business, perhaps you'd introduce what you guys do and, and, and what the goal of the business is. Sure, very happy to do that. So it's indeed, I think, probably first time for many people to hear about Zartec, Zartec. Um, for the simple reason that we have been and we are going to continue to be a very low-key company, you know, very little investing in, in marketing. But actually, I believe what, what we're doing is pretty inspiring. 
Um, and I believe it comes from the DNA where, we, where you know, our founding companies come from. So if I put it you know, in a few sentences, Zietech was born three years ago in 2018 and incubated by two of the very well-known uh, companies in the industry, which is on one hand, Zhongan, the largest insurtech company on earth, you know, mm -hmm. digital native, B2B2C ecosystem, you know, embedded insurance play. Um, and on the other end, SoftBank, and especially the Vision Fund, which I believe at least three years ago was the biggest PE fund in the world as well. Mm -hmm. The two of them basically came together with a vision that technology enablement was one of the biggest lever to truly deliver around embedded finance between inter internet consumer-facing platforms mm -hmm. and the broader insurance industry. And this is very much what we've been focusing on over the last um, three years, and I think nicely, nicely expanding and growing now mm -hmm. to what I would call a, a, a scale-up uh, business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a scale-up business indeed. Um, thank you for that. I think it's um, it's really fascinating though those two parent companies because I think SoftBank particularly gets it's been really unfortunate because it gets a more it gets a lot more press probably in in the public eye about a sort of maybe unwise investment decision around a, a, a certain workplace environment than it does for all the really amazing stuff and really brilliant investments it's done. I, I, I heard, um, I was listening to 20 Minute VC and, and um, I think it's the, the one of the lead investment partners from SoftBank was on there and um, yeah, fascinating what they're doing, particularly in like Latin America as well, like, you know, some of the investments they're making there. Uh, but Zongang as well, like, yeah, that's the that's that's I think the depth of that's really interesting. So you're an insure tech, born of an insure tech, um, which which I don't know what that makes. There should be a term for that, I think. So you know, so their 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 offering is 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 a neo insurer as we'd normally call it now. And and I wanted to talk to you about having that heritage, um, having that kind of background that kind of insure tech from an insure tech what do you think that kind of does for you as a kind of platform renovation um having that kind of background um how does that impact you on a sort of day-to-day -day existence you know these, these are all very 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 key points i think you know maybe the way just picking back double picking on your your previous question i would call it actually a spin-off business when you actually you know see the potential in a new market mm -hmm decide to create you know, the right capabilities with people, with investment around it, mm -hmm. and understand that if you want this business to strive, it needs to be independent. It needs to be separated. And when we look at the track record of regulated businesses like our parent company, Zhongen, innovating so much, bringing so much value in the market, but always being limited as an insurance company so that it means you can't really work with your competitors, other insurance companies. If you want to still bring value in the markets, you have to spin off, spin out a business so that it runs independently and can create value. And we've done that on the, on the you know, China core business several times, spinning out very successful businesses, even going to IPO. And that's a bit the vision for, for Zietech as well, right? We, because we see that clearly, as, as, as you pointed out, it's difficult to envisage working with an insurance company that some markets might be competing with you mm -hmm. while still seeing the value and, and, and benefiting from the technology enablement and the know-how this tech arm could be offering. 
And for us, it is quite easy to draw the line, right? I mean, we operate under Greater China, under this licensed business. And I could also explain in Hong Kong some of the amazing things we do, especially about digital banking. But we believe if we draw the line very clearly, there's no space for you know, hesitations, right? Mm-hmm. ZTEC is the global arm in order to deliver technology enablement. And we're doing it already uh, in dozens of markets quite mm-hmm. successfully. Um, if you allow, actually, there's a reason why we've been organized this way, because in the many years, uh, even before I joined, but also after I joined in 2018, we've had visitors from all over the world willing to learn about you know, ecosystem business models. That was before embedded insurance became mainstream. Mm. After any single meeting, one hour, you got a group CEO, you get um, Asia, Europe CEO coming in and say, wow, but I came to learn about your model, but now I want to work with you. Mm. How do we make it happen? Mm-hmm. And this is how, you know, from a concept level, ZETEC got created. And how much, you know, powerful partner you can imagine as a software bank. When you have the right vision, you have the right team to execute, and sometimes you need more funding. You need access to partners in order to deliver on that vision. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really an, an exciting marriage, mm-hmm. and I believe we are, you know, um, on a very fast track to to deliver on that um, vision. Yeah, I, I, I'm fascinated by it. There's something that's been discussed on this podcast, um, and by discussed, I mean I, I keep making this uh, really lazy analogy, but I, I I I don't see why it can't work this way. So I, I said for a long time, so. If you look at Amazon as a business, and I know Amazon's such an amazing case study that it's kind of almost lazy to think of to, to use it, but but it makes a really interesting point in that you know Amazon is is effectively was a retailer and that's where they started, but their knowledge of what was required to deliver systems, online ecosystems for kind of sales is obviously what spun out into kind of the AWS and, and all these other aspects. And I've, I've for a long time said, why can't insurance company do the same thing? You know, insurance companies know more about systems for insurance than anybody else and the technology that it drives it. And that's what I find fascinating about Zartec. I'm like, effectively, it's, it's, that's how I see it. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if that's kind of reflects well on what you think, but I think that's how I see it. You know, who better? Um, but does, you know, one thing I wanted to talk about is the potential kind of conflicts of interest. And, you know, do, do you, how do you, how do you avoid that? Or how, or how do you tackle that conversation? Because it's clear that, you know, you've already answered it saying there's a very distinct line between one business and another. But that, does that come up in conversation? How, how do you guys tackle that and reassure people? Yeah, so it happens from time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say similarly to what you said about AWS being a spin-out business from initially Amazon needs. Mm-hmm. And actually, it's funny you say that because in one client meeting, Six months ago, someone said, oh, but actually, this is what you are, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so it's very, very spot on. Uh, it happens from time to time. But the answer usually is to say, yes, if you operate in China market, our mothership, our parent company is somehow a competitor of yours. Yeah. But on the other end, it is very much reducing the value, the perception of what we are. And also, you know, in this context of digital businesses, Boundaries are not as clear as was the way they've been established 20 or 30 years ago in the industry. Mm-hmm. If, I, if I pick up an example, right, we, we saw the value of being consumer first in the way designing our business, digital first, technology first. Mm-hmm. 
and we managed to build a fantastic platform. When we had a chance to come into Hong Kong markets, Hong Kong market, you know, very mature, very, very, you know, financially savvy. Uh, we have one of the highest penetration rate of insurance and financial services globally. Um, a lot of people were saying, you know, virtual banks will come to the market, but will never be able to succeed. We were not having any background on financial services by, by banking point of view. And we still managed to get one of the eight licenses granted by the regulator, the banking regulator. And we managed to launch with months ahead of the second best or quickest um, company. And 18 months down the road, we are 2.5 times bigger than the second best follower. Wow. And all the other players in the market have a very strong background on banking. You know, I'm talking about Standard Chartered, I'm talking about uh, Ant Financial, I'm talking about Bank of China. So in a way, you need to know why coming to us brings you very strong differentiated value. Mm. Because we know so well the know-how in succeeding in digital, creating excitement, engagement, crafting proposition that people love is definitely over, you know, uh, overarching the value mm. of a potential remote risks of some form of competition in one uh, market. Mm. That's fascinating. Well, I've got to dig into that. Like what, so what's in the secret sauce? Like, cause that's phenomenal. You sort of 18 months, you're 2.5 times bigger than the nearest competitor. And as you're pointing out, these aren't people that, you know, they're, they're not people that don't know what they're doing. Um, is there something in, cause even those names you're mentioning, particularly in banking, that's kind of, you know, you put them in sort of more the legacy class. Is 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 that it? You don't have those hang-ups on, oh, this is the way we've always done it. Or, yeah, what is it? Is it leanness of the business? Or... Yeah, so there's, there's, a, there's a secret sauce. I'm not going to be fully disclosing today, but it, it, it comes down to a couple of key points, right? So when you build something digital native, you have no limits into what you want to be delivering in the market. I think this is really a a space where traditional well established players can't play. Mm. If you look at banking, you will be talking about you know, operating branches and what you want to be offering. If we go back to insurance, it is what we call you know, channel conflicts. Mm. And this is sometimes the biggest challenge for well-established organizations that want to be going digital. They know this is where the market and the consumers are heading. They just don't know how to deliver it and make it right. Mm. So by, by building a bank in Hong Kong, a life insurance company in Hong Kong, to us, it's really about showcasing that in a well-established market, we have the right ways to actually scale, grow profitably, successfully a business with mm -hmm. a, a toolkit uh, from digital. And last but not least, obviously, people yeah. is absolutely key in delivering it. You know, you have to find the right seeds people that have the right market knowledge, the industry domain knowledge, mm -hmm. and have a vision about where to bring the industry next. And another point, I'm, I'm sure you will be coming to that at one point in time today, regulation, yeah. right? Because when you are the first one innovating in the market, it also means you have the first one to be able to convince the regulator to do this. Mm. Why, why if you are the first one, it's always the most difficult to go, right? It's always easier to be a fast follower. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I believe if you are like nailing these elements properly, you know, technology, 
vision people regulation that's how you deliver that's how you optimize your proposition and and go big in the market mm. yeah there's so much in there that um i want to pick up and you're right i wanted to, i did want to talk about regulation I, i'll jump to that a bit later i think um you know obviously talent's my my sort of bag and that's 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 where i kind of play but particularly in that kind of startup scale-up environment because what i'm fascinated about and, and you and i've obviously sort of spoken in the past about these sorts of things is what defines the kind of people that are right for for you how, how do you kind of because how do you find those people that are right for the speed of business that you you know that startup scale-up environment that startup scale-up mentality um how do you do it because i'm fascinated about asking other people because for me it's 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 where the kind of science and art of recruitment kind of meet in the middle because there is a bit of a sense and feel and there are ways of being more robust about it but um there is definitely a thing about personality types so yeah i suppose there's sort of two parts to that defining who works well in that environment but secondly how do you how do you go about finding those people out um for for, for you Maybe, maybe the best way to illustrate is just to share my own story, which I think sure. is quite unique. Um, in joining so ZA Tech very early on, so 2018, the company was just becoming incorporated. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, it's first about you know, the people you know in the industry. And I got lucky enough to get to know the team at Zhongan, mm-hmm. actually 18 months before I joined. And having a chance to interact, to actually get to truly understand, deeply understand the depth of the business model and the vision of the leadership eventually made me, you know, fall in love with that model, right? And back in the days, again, you know, it was ecosystem business model. There was a bit, you know, this shady thing about micro insurance policies, right? Nobody was truly getting it. I think it is getting a bit better now, but still far away from, you know, how deep that business model is about. And once you actually, you know, trust the people, trust the vision, I think it's also about, you know, how do you come and fit into, uh, you know, this digital native type of organization that, that we are at ZA Tech. And the funny story about me was that I've never been any form of, you know, sales person at all, right? I'm going to say that I've been in insurance for three generations. So I know very well, you know, challenges, the operating model, the complexity of the industry. But I've made my boss, so our CEO, so in me, someone that could actually succeed because of passion, mm-hmm. because of, you know, the relationship, the depth of the understanding of the, the complexity of the model and where digital fits. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of people that have that in mind. They have the intuition. They know where the industry should be heading, how to transform it. And I believe this is when you know you have that sort of, uh, you know, um, the grits, right? The passion, you, you want to do something, you want to have an impact. This is how it's actually the right moment where the conversation about people can start. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a, there's a good client of mine and one of his acid tests of um, asking people is kind of, is, is to ask people what they're frustrated with about you know the industry so because we, we, i specifically i'm quite often working in roles where they're technology-based businesses and then they're trying to br- you work with me to bring the insurance talent in and and the challenge there is, is finding those people with those right mindsets and so it's like you know what frustrates you about the industry what have you th- what have you tried to do about it well 
And, and what's brilliant is when you find the right mix and there's a sort of technology solution, maybe a SaaS company, InsureTech, that's offering a solution, the passion you get from the right people about, you know, quite often you get this, uh, get this conversation, they're like, this is exactly what the industry needs. This is exactly where it needs to go. And, and as you say, like they didn't know that as soon as they see it, they're like, oh, that's the thing. Um, but the challenge for me is, is, is trying to, artificially create or the the situation you found yourself in because that's the perfect recruitment example so in my world if i could get my clients to sort of try and engage with talent 18 months before they need to hire them like that's the dream you know that's that's what it is it's because you you you've got that trust there you've built a rapport they've got sort of you know where the project's going you're excited about it already and then it's just a case of waiting for the right role the challenge is obviously doing that. Um, um, for me, it's a lot of kind of like social media. It's a lot of kind of putting the employer brand out there. It's talking about, it's doing things like this. You know, it's 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 important, um, which gives you a kind of, it closes that gap. Um, you know, podcasting is a great example. I, I remember I'm a, I'm a massive fan of a, a, a podcast about film. And I went bounding up to this guy in the street because I saw him at a film festival. Uh, and I suddenly realised I don't. This guy doesn't know me, but I just listen to him every week. And honestly, the sort of gap between me thinking I knew him and and you know, I know I sound like a lunatic, but I suddenly went, oh, it's just because you know I listen to him every week. But closing that gap is important because otherwise, it's really, really difficult to, particularly when you're getting someone to take a like you a leap of faith. I mean, how did you find that culturally? You're going from this sort of you know, three generations of insurance, then you're in this kind of hyper growth scale up business. How did you find that kind of cultural shift? Well, I'd say this is obviously a very, very striving culture, very mm -hmm. demanding, right? Because, you know, you're a digital native business. Our company, ZA Tech, is only three years old, right? Mm -hmm. So there is a sense of urgency because, you know, with, when you are born by you know, successful entrepreneurs, you know what is the most important is actually time yeah. and people. Yeah. So we spend a lot of time focusing on making sure we bring the right people in. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, we also want to make sure, you know, there's a very strong you know, passion about delivering. It is definitely very different than a corporate life, right? And more yeah. and more people think through, you know, am I really going to spend 40 years in the same organization? in the same industry, could I bring a bigger impact if I was potentially part of these, you know, enablers that, that CA Tech is also? I think for me, what, what that journey really started a couple of years before I got, I got to meet with, with my boss, Bill. Um, that journey started when I realized the power of digital and data. When I actually started to work on, you know, uh, engagement, digital servicing, distribution, marketing, um, and when you understand the power of, as an industry, insurance has, and the little value that is being able to brought back to be brought back to uh, end users and consumers, you see that there is a tremendous potential to help and accompany the transformation of that industry. Mm -hmm. And in many ways, when you try to do this internally, you have to fight your own internal politics battle. When you bring in an external party, and this is what many of my clients and partners are telling me, ZA mm -hmm. Tech and you, Adrian, have been the biggest change agents we've had to change the mindset of our people. Through the way you bring value, of course, technology, but it's not enough, right? 
the know-how, the mindset, the consumer first thinking. They've been telling me you've been able to change complete organization across several markets from headquarters to regional office to local countries in just a matter of one to two years. They said, this is astonishing. We've never seen that before for the last 10 years. And I think it is what it means, right? When you are external, you can bring inside that from internal point of view, you can't really do or say because of politics sometimes. Mm -hmm. And this is where I'm so happy that the impact I'm having with well-established organizations, helping them to actually go to the next stage in terms of you know, delivering value through digital. Mm. Yeah, and it's, it's good to see the ecosystem maturing now as well. Um, and there's much more openness from both technology perspective but I think what I'm finding interesting is is the collaboration now that people are willing to make those changes they're, they're willing to kind of listen to the outside partners because partnership is a much more and I do think it's the influence of tech like tech tech businesses particularly things like SaaS and ecosystem type environments have always encouraged the kind of integration of of different technologies to other technologies to kind of achieve a bigger goal um, and that says something about culture as well and, and the influence you have on on the parent company so we're just seeing a maturity I think now in the market where there's more openness to kind of not just go oh we need that technology to plug in it's like what what can we borrow from the way that this business operates um, and that's that's fascinating and um, we keep saying sort of ecosystem and and, and I know there's um, there's different sort of product suites, as it were, that, that the business offers. So, so who are the partners? Where, 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 what sort of partners are we working with? Um, you know, and yeah, I want to sort of dig into geographically and, 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 and how they come about. But, you know, just starting with what, what sort of partners are you, are you aiming for? Where's your sort of target market? Yeah, so, so that, that's basically two types um, of, of partners we work with. One is insurance companies. Mm-hmm. That basically, you know, have tried many ways to bring in digital, and that have most of the time have very strong limitations because of agency, because of a distribution conflict, right? Channel conflict. Yeah. And we've realized that actually working with someone that went through that whole journey, so starting digital and actually bringing, you know, innovative business model, omni type of model, a lot of different business models, really, not just channels, business models. Um, they realized that we could be helping them accelerating the execution of their vision. Mm-hmm. It's always there, right? Like you are a group CEO, you know you have to transform, you know you have to be closer to customers. But it is really about how do you actually make it um, execute upon it. And this is really where we, we, we come in. I would say the different type of um, companies on usually working with tier one, so leading players in their markets, mm-hmm. already thinking about what's coming up next. This is one, one, one type. The other types might also be companies that are, you know, maybe strong in one core domestic market and want to grow, want to catch up with some of their competitors, and they don't want to do this the traditional way. And they sometimes think, you know, building new operations could be the right way to grow much quicker than, you know, um, onboarding uh, agency and, and doing it only the pure, pure traditional way. Mm. It is the first group. So insurance companies. And we help them, of course, with technology propositions that are digital native, some of them being SaaS propositions. Uh, and we help them connect the dot also with distribution partners. And this is where SoftBank in particular kicks in, right? Because SoftBank, as you said, not always investment that make a big return, but actually when you look, the one we don't talk about, 
make a massive return, right? mm-hmm. really like, completely successful. What we do with them is actually helping the portfolio companies of SoftBank moving into monetization strategy, upselling, retention, share of wallet by bringing financial services and insurance capabilities. So we do this, of course, with a technology first mindset. Mm-hmm. But having, you know, we've been born from ecosystem businesses, including retailers and social media. So we know a thing or two of how making these platforms successful. And we believe eventually, if we can bring platform businesses working with insurers that have the right capabilities, this is something, you know, achieving a bit our dream, right? About, you know, yeah. making an impact um, in the industry, moving the needle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get that. It's exciting. Um, so I wanted to touch on those. So obviously, embedded solutions has been sort of hot topic of the last couple of years, probably. Um, not going away anytime soon, obviously, as well. So I just wanted to get a picture of like what, how much of an impact you think COVID and the sort of pandemics had to play in, 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 in those uh, solutions, because it would seem as a bit of a shot in the arm for those things. So I'd say I have mixed mixed perception about the impact of COVID. So I think on one hand, if you look at the consumer lens, it has definitely accelerated the adoption, especially in markets that were you know very cash reliant, mm-hmm. a physical physical uh, physical interactions reliant. Mm-hmm. Definitely helps to move a lot of the processes, a lot of the activities online, right? And you look at e-commerce, for instance, there's been a massive uptake on insurance activity. But when you look at markets that were already very mature, you've seen that actually some of the digital business models, you know, you think about mobility, for instance, you think mm-hmm. about travel, have also been not necessarily well um, during these times, right? Because of course, people commuting, traveling, enjoying less lifestyle, of course, means they've actually been using less um, this type of, of businesses. If you look at insurance, particularly, I think it has been a very huge shock that actually the industry was just so reliant on purely the sales agent, mm. the broker, the physical way to interact with clients. And I know in some markets, there has been a huge drop in, in the actual activity, um, uh, APE and, and new business that you were able to be signing up. I think on that, it has had you know challenge about making sure you eat your, you know, EPS, earnings target in the year, but at the same time, it also been made a big um, a trigger that digital is not just you know for the hype for an investor. If you don't really deliver these businesses, there is going to be a lot of challenges. Not being able to cope with cases like COVID is one. Mm-hmm. But another one is also, I think, very fascinating thanks to COVID, right? There's been so much of an inflow of investment coming in into innovators, yeah. disruptors everywhere that actually what we see happening in neo banks, digital banks, disrupting the banks is also going to happen on insurance side, right? Mm. And I believe this is ultimately why COVID is going to be an accelerator of transformation, not just because of consumer changing behaviors, but also because new entrants and disruption being much more tangible now and mm. um, companies. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting how much the culture. Sorry, my personal views only on the. Yeah, yeah, no, of course, no. Um, Yeah, I, I think it's interesting how the culture has has driven those things. So, 
as you say, like the, the demand from the consumer for digital first services has gone up. But obviously, yeah, that demand from the consumer for, for, for certain insurances has gone dramatically down. Um, but we obviously know that's going to return. But then culturally, the, you know, even just thinking on the kind of practical terms, now it would be, I, I can't, you know, I've been doing this for 16 years. I can't imagine a time when I've placed more than one person in a remote role. And now, obviously, for two years, all I've been doing is placing people into remote roles. So what does that what does that say about the structure of these businesses? Um, these businesses that were like, oh, no, we have to be in the office together. Um, and even even the sort of spin off. So we've looked at that from a kind of selfish old, you know, we save money on offices. I think what's been nice as well, there's been a sort of bit of a reimagining of going, well, why is it important to go to the office? And there's been a conversation about. Well, it is still important because people like spending time with people. You know, like that, that's, you know, that's actually something people have gone, oh, I want to go into the office. Why? Oh, because I like people. So I want to see some people. So I think we, we, we sometimes kind of, we just focus on the things that kind of are efficient and effective. And actually, efficient and effective means happy staff as well. So that's been interesting. Um, something I forgot to ask you about partnerships. I'm always interested with people work with partners. Um, and, and I skipped over this and I forgot to do it. Because the, the situation you're in, you talked about some of those partners really sort of buying into the way that you, the methodology, but also the way that you operate. And that's changed their businesses. Um, what makes a good partner for you? What, 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 what can someone do that kind of wants to kind of work with you to make themselves a good partner? What, what practical steps can they take? Yeah, so, so, so it's clearly, I mean, there's no a, a silver bullet no. on being successful in digital, right? And I think what's the biggest learning is how can you build an organization that is agile enough so that you can actually test propositions, iterate propositions, check whether mm -hmm. customer like, and constantly evolve the model, evolve you know the whole way you interact, the whole way you build a product, and 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 all that goes together with this. And to us, the best possible partner is a company that have tried a lot and failed a lot, and that knows exactly where the vision should be bringing them. Mm -hmm. but haven't been able to deliver on it. Mm -hmm. This is where, in my view, the best partnership can be delivered because if the leadership knows, yes, this is where we want to go, we have the resilience to do this, but we need to find the right ways and the right partners to do this. This is where, when we come in, we actually bring them the capabilities. What Maybe, you know, the, the Lego block that they were missing to deliver. Oh, yeah, we've tried this 20 times and it never worked and say, yes, we believe this might be the way it will work. Mm -hmm. And then they figure out, and then they realize actually, yeah, working with companies that know this for many, many years of experience makes a huge difference, right? Mm -hmm. It's not about just technology. It's not about just your distribution channel. It's also about the know-how. And in many ways, all the partners we're working with today all reach that stage to say, well, I'm really frustrated because I don't, get the results I was hoping for. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm knocking on your door, Zatek. I want to know whether you could help me. Mm. Usually this is how a good conversation starts for us because they usually, I mean, became advocates for us uh, very, very rapidly. Mm -hmm. it, that's uh, fascinating. I was thinking it was a bit of an analogy while, while we're going along. It's like, you can always work with those employees that get up every day and work hard. 
but they're just not getting it. You can always tweak them and, and point them in the direction. You can't help those people that don't want to try or try and give up. You know, it's 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 like sport. You know, the the the, the person that kind of actually just turns up every day and does the work. Um, they might not be the most talented, but you can get them there. Um, so yeah, there's, that's fascinating because most of that's about mindset. It's like they're all capable of doing it. It's it's just where the mindset's right. Um, I um we mentioned regulation and we and we glassed over it, but I think it's really important to talk about because you're such a global organization. Um, operating at scale, operating in regulated industries. Um, key factor really is the sort of regulation and security of information, who owns the information, etc. Um, I think that's a deep dive into a really difficult conversation. But I wanted to sort of ask about regulation as a driver for innovation. Um, because I've got I've just got this belief that restrictions sometimes kind of play into to, to sort of innovation. I think they, they sort of are a bed for innovation. Have uh, have you seen that? Um, uh, or, or, and how do you how do you tackle that from kind of you know, regulation from uh, from the global perspective? So so in many ways, actually, you know, we we need regulation that gives a clear direction. What's challenging is where the regulation isn't clear, right? What are you allowed to do? Or what are you not allowed to do, right? So as long as the regulation is well elaborated, yeah. it basically allows to have a level playing field, right? So what am I able to do when I interact with customers, when I service them, when I distribute something, when I obtain content? For us as a company, as a technology B2B company, we, we have a number of challenges. Mm. But we think we are extremely well positioned to be able to have all of our partners beyond complying to their regulation because we come from an insurance group. So we know what it means to grow a business in a regulated environment mm -hmm. and do this be because of the others. And regulation is not a blocker. That's actually the opposite, right? If it is digital business model, you know that you can actually be much quicker, much faster, much more efficient. Mm -hmm. And usually regulators like it, right? Because in the end, it's more value for mm -hmm. the citizens, the, the consumers. The second thing I want to add is we were incubated by you know, two giants, right? So China-born company. I know it's not a good press these days, but I think it also gives us such a huge self-awareness that mm -hmm. we want to qualify operating in markets, including Europe. We have to be 500% more compliant than any of the competitor, any of the mm -hmm. tech companies, right? Mm -hmm. Second point, SoftBank, right? When you are the largest VC PE fund in the world, it also comes with a number of stringent rules that you have to abide by if you want to be uh, you know, receiving the investment and the support of an investor. Mm -hmm. And I believe with that in mind, we take regulation extremely seriously mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, in the way we operate with all our partners. I believe actually what we do um, is probably best in class in terms of you know, protecting consumers' interests, uh, GDPR, tokenization and some of these uh, information security related words. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I think that that's an important point about clarity. Um, but you touched on it there. I, I'm sorry, I, I do think probably unfairly you've got a higher bar of, um, there might be a higher bar for, 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 for your business than others. And, and so I think that's it's an important factor to know. But then it, it's interesting because it becomes a selling point, you know, it's, uh, it becomes that selling point, isn't it? Because like you say, you have to be 500% more uh, put, um, on the point. 
customers the last thing i want to kind of um focus on um <laughs> which is almost um the opposite of the point of my next question I'm which is right? <laughs> <laughs> the customers that we should have started with the customer um right. how do we keep the customer at the center because like we, we we love to run away with the technology we love to talk about insurance a conversation i had quite recently was about um sometimes we we live in this world of insurance and we forget that the end consumer doesn't isn't knowledgeable about insurance doesn't know about it um and then i think we can do the same with technology we can we've got all this great technology and we can get obsessed with using it but we forget about are we, the usability so how do you keep that customer at the center when you're sort of creating technology solutions well we touched at the beginning about you know the business model of the tech being the aws mm -hmm. of amazon mm -hmm. But actually, there's a second parallel with Amazon um, for us, which is basically that we were born from you know, e-retailer culture, people coming from an industry that was far more mature mm -hmm. than even just you know, social media. E-commerce back in the days was just absolutely ahead mm -hmm. on the way to think customer first and designing the entire processes, the value chain, the offering, the pricing, the, the delivery and everything around the customer. And I believe it's been the same for us. So we've been almost happened to be in insurance by accident. Yeah. And became actually extremely good at it because we started from the thinking that, you know, it's all about the customer. The actual product proposition doesn't really matter. Mm. What matters is what we fulfill needs. Mm -hmm. We fulfill, and in insurance, we talk about protection, right? Mm -hmm. Protection gap is a buzzword, but actually who's trying to make it and bridge that protection gap in different way, leveraging digital. Mm -hmm. And I think another thing that when you really focused about doing this, as if you were a Amazon, I think it, you learn a thing or two about how to actually create engagement, proposition, services, retention, upsell, that eventually customers just want to come back to you. Mm. If I take another example, when we build, when colleagues here built this digital bank in Hong Kong, ZA Bank. Um, I've been joining them for some of these workshops. We actually did co-create the bank together with you know, the pioneers, the one that really wanted to actually build a bank together and be joining with, okay, we will do this evening ideation. 90 minutes, we do workshop, we do small groups. What do you think a bank should be doing for you? Mm -hmm. listing on ideas, priorizing, testing ideas, iterating propositions until we were able to launch that mm -hmm. bank. And, and it's just a way that, you know, consumer groups and everything has been around for a long time, but fundamentally the industry still revolves a lot about distribution and product. Mm -hmm. And customers always come third. Mm -hmm. And in a business model like us, we put things upside down, right? It's customer first, then channels, and then products. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think the banking thing, I, as you were saying, I suddenly had a flashback that I, I haven't paid for my bank account for, for a long, in terms of monthly payment for a bank account. And the reason I stopped doing it was I had all these insurance. The reason I took it is because I think I had mobile and travel and various insurances. And then I just thought how antiquated that feels now because it's not built for me. It's not bespoke for me. And the technology is there that it obviously could be. It's, it wouldn't be a challenge to do that. Um, but the, the parallel I always draw, and again, it's the lazy one with Amazon. I would have laughed if you'd have said like five years ago that I'd pay, what is it, 70, 80 pounds a year just for, to, 
for delivery and these additional services from a retailer. But almost everyone I know pays that to Amazon. Everyone, everyone I know does that. And, and you think, you know, that plays into things like banking. It's just because they've got the proposition so right. Um, and I think it's, you know, but retail, for, as you say, it's been streets ahead in terms of personalization and, and personalized experience, particularly digital first, because even down to how they advertise to you. And um, it's, it's fascinating to me having a kind of ringside seat watching insurance kind of try and do the same thing. Um, so well, look, I, I'm really conscious of our time. We don't want to overstay our welcome, but I wanted to kind of just ask you, and I like to always end on this, towards the end of the year, we're, we're going into 2022. Um, what should we look out for from you guys? What's happening in the next year? What's, uh, what's, what's, what's on the slate? Yeah, so that there's a lot going on, right? A three-year-old business uh, obviously have a lot of plans. Mm -hmm. As we mentioned, um, um, late 2021, we actually raised a fairly large uh, Series A which was a 230 million USD, which mm -hmm. I think is on record one of the largest Series A for, for, for you know, uh, in short-tech business. That's pretty chunky for Series A, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly, exactly. Um, I think it just speaks about the ambition we have. Um, it just speaks about you know, our belief and our investor belief in the scalability of the business model. Um, and for us, clearly, this year is all about entering new markets, mm -hmm. supporting more and more partners with a very scalable proposition. It is about onboarding uh, the new talents that will join us and continue to grow and evolve our proposition. Um, and it's doing it about, of course, the core market where we operate, which is Asia-Pacific, mm -hmm. but also nowadays in Europe, actually, we, where we have already our first partners. We haven't communicated about them. But we're already up and running in Europe, and who knows about also entering uh, new geographies. So awesome. another very busy uh, year ahead, very exciting as well. Exciting stuff. Well, Adrian, you've been very kind with your time. Um, I really appreciate you being a guest. Um, and yeah, I, I'm fascinated to see what you do, and um, especially with that amount of firepower with that Series A raise, and that's, that's, that's something to go at the market with. So thank you once again for being a guest. I really appreciate it. Pleasure, Alex. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Thank you. As always, this podcast is brought to you by FinPro Search Partners, often simply known as FinPro. FinPro is an executive recruitment business working in the insurance and insure tech space on an international basis. If you would like to find out more about FinPro, please visit our website, www.wearefinpro.com or our FinPro company page on LinkedIn. I've been your host, Alex Bond, and I would personally love to connect with anyone who is interested in the changing world of insurance. So feel free to reach out to me directly, um, either on LinkedIn or via my email, uh, alex at wearefinpro.com. I hope you enjoyed the podcast, and I hope to see you back next week. Thank you.